Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You guys can be seated. Oh, man. It's right on key with what we're talking about today. We're going to discuss Uzzah. Uzzah is kind of a perplexing story because he strikes him dead. And I'm just glad I'm not Uzzah, but part of me is glad that he struck him dead because I learned a lot from it. I'm just glad I'm not him. So you can say that because that was years ago, right? Today, the title of my sermon is Bro, It's Not Just a Story. People in our culture today want to downplay Christianity. They want to downplay the Word as this pay of words written on pages. It's there to entertain. It's just a story. And my heart was stirred. Bro, it's not just a story. It's life and death that's in this book. My family would not be the same without this book. My wife would not be the same. My child would not be the same. My church experience would not be the same without the pages of this book, without the story of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ going to a cross and raising from the dead. And that's worth getting excited about. Oh, calm down. Oh, relax. Experience it, bro. Open up the pages. I can do it for 30 days. Do it for 30 days. Sorry, I get a little excited. I won't, I won't yell so loud. All right. See, to be awed, to be overwhelmed with respect for someone or something. It's to marvel, to be afraid, to fear, to wonder, to be in amazement, to be astonished at what God is doing. What a Savior we get to serve. Don't get it mixed up. You don't have to. We get to. We get to walk this life, and sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes whenever your hand's watered up in a fish, you better stick it in your pocket before you lay hands on somebody. Sometimes it's hard in faith sowing our ties when we know we still have some bills to pay. Sometimes it's hard, man. It's not easy all the time. But we need to be in awe of our Savior. Think about this. He created a garden for his children to be fruitful and multiply. Then when man thought it was best for him, he sinned and separation happened. It was God who came to find man. What a God we get to serve. He provided a cloud by day and a pillar by night for his children to follow. He provided manna from heaven to meet a physical need so he could captivate them spiritually. What a God we get to serve. Our Savior confronts dangerous and murderous sinners, but when they've sought repentance, he allows them to write books of the Bible, heal individuals, and change nations. When they've accepted his grace, he uses phrases like a man after my own heart. This is the one I've chosen. What a God we get to serve. He he forgives our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Bible declares in 1 Peter 1 and 20 that our Savior was known before the foundations of the world. And John chapter 1 states that he is the Word, that our Savior is God and was God. My heart is stirred today. My spirit reminds me this is whom we serve. Taking a, taking a night of beating, whipped with the cat of nine tails, carried a cross, digging into the wounds of his flesh, beaten near death, nails driven into his hands and feet, longs on the verge of collapse, and a thief sits next to him on the cross. He could say anything. But the sinner said, remember me. And Jesus looks at him and he says, today, today you'll be remembered. That's the Savior that we get to serve. Don't forget it. Oh, let your hearts be stirred. Let your emotions kind of well up. That's okay. 
Because we serve a God who's worthy. This is not some, some savior that was bought at a garage sale and a statue that's been passed down for three or four generations. Oh no, this is Jesus Christ, savior of the world. He's everything the Bible says that he is. Ephesians 4, it says to walk worthy of the calling of Christianity. In 2 Corinthians, it says that we get to be ambassadors. <laughs> we get to carry the name of Jesus. Oh, if you believe, say, what a Savior. What a Savior. Oh, Jesus. See, the Bible's worth being stirred up about. Now, there's some things in life that's not being worth stirred up about. There's some things we lose our focus and we get stirred up about some stuff we don't need to be stirred up. If I had three things that I could say, this would be three things that I would say. Bro, chill. It's P.E., not the Olympics. Don't throw the ball. You got nothing to prove, gangster. It's okay. All right? You're good? Oh, here's another one. Bro, chill. It's Highway 81, not Daytona. I'm driving a minivan with a baby in the back. Bro, do the drag somewhere else. Go out there in the woods. Oh, here's my favorite, okay? Bro, chill. It's literally not the pros. Oh, man. T-ball. Knock the leather off of it. I'm thinking, is there even leather? It's a squishy ball, man. <laughs> you know, knock it to the fans. Run, run, run. And it's the kids are running the bases because you're yelling at them, not because that's what they know to do. <laughs> They're scared. Dad's going to beat me. He's coming out of the stands. Chill, man, chill. So there's some things it's not worth having that all about. Okay? Teach your kids and love sports, and I do too, and all that other stuff. But there's some things that we lose our focus on, but the Bible is one that we do not need to lose our focus on. And we're going to study about Ezra today, and he lost his focus. He became too familiar with God. It cost him his life, but it turned a whole nation around. They who dwell in the ends of the earth shall stand in all of your signs. You make the dawn and the sunset shout for joy. Psalm 65 and 8. Acts 2 and 43 says everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Jesus had died, he had ascended, Holy Spirit had came. These people were doing signs and wonders and people were just in awe, but they held it in reverence. They didn't make fun of it and all that other stuff. They held it in reverence so we can see throughout scripture that we have to have an awe for our God. We can be stirred about the gospel. Salvation is more than just fire insurance, right? It's more than just punch my ticket to heaven, man. We get to serve a God who loves us. We get started talking about our God, our Redeemer, our Deliverer, Jehovah, our strength, El Shaddai, God Almighty, and it gets a person stirred up. Passion should emerge. Hunger should arise. Expectancy should build. Romans 1 and 6, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it has the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And as Paul wrote that, I imagine him having crippled hands and scars on him. And he didn't just come out and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. No, I imagine him coming out and kind of shaking and saying, I'm not ashamed of this gospel that I've taken the beatings for, that I will ultimately give my life for. I am not ashamed. I am stirred by this gospel. It's not just a story. As the thunder cloud was rolling in yesterday and I saw the lightning strike down, I was thinking, man, man paints that, but God creates it. That's the all that we should have. Man can paint it, but God creates it. If you'd open up your Bibles, we're going to 2 Samuel 6, and I'll calm down. Like I said, I just get to having a good time and, you know, don't mean to yell. 2 Samuel 6, I'm going to be reading out the English Standard Version. It says, David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David arose and went with all the people who were with him to Baal Judah. 
to bring them up from there, the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And as in Ohio, the sons of Abinadab were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ohio went before the ark. Now, we're going to continue to read down to 11, but I just want to stop there. So they've got a small city here, okay, 30,000 people. The, the, we're going to read here in a second. The songs are going off. Everything's happening. The way that they would have done is they would have taken this ark, and inside the ark is the Ten Commandments, Aaron's budded staff, and a jar of manna, all the things that represent what God had done. And they set it on this cart, and Uzzah would have been to the side of the cart. If the wheel was right here, he would have been to the side, and Ohio would have been driving the oxen, okay? So that's kind of how it's set up. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs, with lyres, with harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put his hand on the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down because of his error, and he died beside the ark of God. And David was angry because God had broken out against Uzzah, and that place is called Para-Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David, not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David, which would have been Jerusalem, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his household. This was the third time this had happened. This was the third time that this happened. The Philistines, 20 years prior to this, the Philistines beat the Israelites or defeat them, probably a better word. And they capture the ark and they take it to their town. And the first town they take it to is Ashad. Now, what they do is they take it into their temple and this uh, statue and their god was, was like a dragon, okay? And they would take it in and they put the ark before it. The next morning they woke up and the, and the statue had fallen down face first right before the ark of the Lord. So, that, so they set it back up. The next day, they kept it there. The next day they showed up, the, the, the statue had fallen down. His head had broken off in both of his hands. And they still didn't get the message. They still left it there. Well, then God sent a, a rash of sores to go all over the men of this town. And they finally said, we've got to get this dude out of here. So let's send it to the next town. So they sent it to a next Philistine city. Okay, they sent it to this place called Gath. Well, the same thing happened there. Sores began to develop on the men. They said, this is the reason why. Let's send it to the next town. Finally, they sent it to this place called Ekron. And here, the men got sores, but they also faced death. And finally, the Philistines said, we've got to get this thing out of our country. <laughs> we've got to get it gone. Okay? So they get the thing gone. And the way that they do that is they assemble this, this uh, cart, and they put the ark on it, and they take two dairy cattle that had been nursing their calves. And what they did is they said, we'll see if this is of the Lord, and this is what we'll do. We'll tie these two cows up to it, and we'll separate them from their young, and we'll send it off. And if they walk it into Israel, then we know this, is, this was our problem. Sure enough, if you read Scripture, the Scripture says after they had done this, the cattle walked it right up the hill, and it said it did not stray neither nor left nor right. It went right into Israel. And that brings up our second time. Now it comes in this place called Beth um, Shemesh. Okay, here people disrespected the ark again, and these were Israelites. They wanted to see what was inside of the ark, so when they picked it up, God struck 50,000 of them dead. And that got everybody's attention real quick, and they sent it to the next town. Okay, and the next town was Gerth, Jerath, Jerome. If I said that wrong, correct me after service, that's fine. Okay, so they sent it to this next Israelite city. Interesting fact, though, on that third city at Beth Shemesh, why do you think 
that it only took them one time of irreverence and he killed people. Whenever the Philistines happened, it got sores, got sores, got sores, and then got death. You know why? Because if you're a Christian, you should be studying the word. You should know some reverence. You should know some awe and honoring God. The Philistines didn't know that. Look at the patience of God. He's trying to instruct them, get it back to where it needs to be. Finally, death comes on, a tragedy happens. People wake up real fast and say, we need to ship it out. It goes to that first Israelite city, and what happens? They look in it, boom, they're dead. Why? Because they should have known. They should have known. The third city there, it comes in, and what happens is they go get this, they get this cart, they go get the ark out of Obed-Edom. Obed, uh, Abinadab's house, excuse me, Abinadab's house. And they start taking it down the road, okay? Now, it rested in that place for 20 years. So, David, become, David becomes king here. Saul is out of the picture. David's first move is, I'm going to take the ark to the new city so that we can honor God. But what happens? We do it the same way the Philistines did it. And it dishonored God. First Chronicles 13 and 4, it says, For this thing was right in the eyes of the people. So everybody wanted this ark to go forward. But what happens is they're pushing the ark up the hill. Man, it's, 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 a, it's a passionate thing, man. People are clapping, cymbals are going off, people are walking, and all of a sudden the worship pastor dies. You're not going to die. We love you. <laughs> Think about it. This is cutting the new ribbon on your church. You're going into the city of David, this new established city. And he's supposed to be the high priest, the worship leader. And all of a sudden, he reaches out to touch this holy object, and he dies. And it turns him from a party to a what? A funeral possession. procession. Now they've got to deal with this. So why did Uzzah get struck by the Lord? I think the first reason why is the fear of the Lord is essential to the pursuit and obedience and holiness. The fear of the Lord is essential to the pursuit of obedience and holiness. We've got to be obedient and we've got to seek holiness. Obedience is easy. It's doing what God said. Holiness is I'm going to act like God acts. That's what holiness is. And the fear of the Lord stems from that. I better fear the Lord because that's what's going to drive me to do what I need to do. Not scared like the thunderstorm's rolling and I'm going to go hide up underneath the bed because I'm scared. But knowing that he is all creator, he is all knowing, he is everywhere. See, this was in the house of Abinadad. Us in Ohio grew up around this. It's out in the tent. We've taken care of it. Oh, it's just familiar. It's no big deal. It's kind of like the Bibles when you walk into people's houses and they're collecting dust. The phone app of your Bible hasn't been opened in three weeks. You haven't listened to a Christian podcast or Christian music and we wonder why we're not walking in the blessing. Got to be careful. See, our culture suffers from this. Think about it. We took the Ten Commandments and shoved them out of, out of the government institutions. Think about this. How, how smart are we sometimes? Think about it. We, we took the Ten Commandments, the original law set to keep people organized and to have safety. What we're going to do is we're going to push them out of institutions who creates those laws and people who train those people who create the laws. See, what happens is the Bible says that a foolish man will build his house upon sand. What happens to people when they do not have a standard, when they do not have something to look at, to draw a line and say, I know that this is right. We become shifty, just like sand. And what we wind up doing is whenever we lose our standard, we lose our footing and we do what's convenient instead of what's right. And whenever you do what's convenient, sit right, you wind up like Uzzah. There was a way to carry the ark. 
There is a way. Proverbs 1.17, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. See, our culture sometimes wants to take God and make him cuddly. He's your friend. Yes, he is. But he's still God Almighty. We, we've, we've taken uh, uh, untamed God and domesticated him. We've got to be careful in what we do. We've taken a dangerous God who kills people in the New and Old Testament for irreverent acts. And we've made him nice. He said you can act however you want to. And we've got to be careful as that. Our culture, tickling ears, you've got to be careful. The fear is essential to the pursuit of obedience and holiness. But this is the thing, whenever you pursue that obedience and holiness, blessing flows from the pursuit. Listen to me, if you're a, if you're a new Christian, or, or maybe you're struggling in somewhere, or maybe you're on the fence and you're wondering, do I want to be a Christian or not? Listen, God gives grace, okay? Don't worry, you're not going to become a Christian and then be like us and die, okay? He, he, gives, he gives grace. Let me take some pressure off you. If you're trying to walk in blessing and obedience, guess what? Or blessing and, and, and or obedience and holiness, guess what? He's going to pour the blessing on you. That's what I found out as a new Christian. If I'm trying to give like I need to, if I'm trying to invest my time, if I'm trying to treat people that would, in a way that would honor God, guess what he does to me? He blesses me and he opens up doors and opportunities. But if I'm being a punk, why is it a surprise when I get treated like one, right? Got to be careful, man. Okay? Matthew 10, 32, it says, If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before God. Pastors mentioned it before, we got to position ourselves for this blessing. This is the difficult part because one blessing is not the same as the other. You got to remember that, okay? As you position yourself, well, that was a small blessing compared to his. Well, maybe he needed something or she needed something you didn't. Maybe God's trying to teach you something different, okay? So that's the difficult part, but keep that in mind. The house of Abinadab could have been blessed. Think about it. In Acts 10 and 34, it says God's not a respecter of persons. In Hebrews 13 and 8, it says he's the same yesterday, today, forever. So what he did for Obed-Edom, he would have done for Abinadad. But what happened? We become familiar. Oh, it's just a story. It's just some, some artifacts in a box. Ooh. And when we get that way, I promise you, you're not walking towards God. Think about David. David saw it. How can I bring this ark before me? Oh, my goodness. He saw it. You know, it had Aaron's budded staff, the jar of mammoths, the Ten Commandments. And there was a way to carry this thing with Levites in a pole. And, and, and you take six steps and sacrifice. Take six steps and sacrifice. And as far as I can town, tell, it's six steps and sacrifice until you get to your destination. There's some work and some efforts in, in honoring and reverencing God. And we cannot forget it. But the blessing is on the other end. And we'll see that here in a second. We have to be guard. We have to be on guard. What we do is we get caught up in the task. No, don't get caught up in the task that God's asked you to do. Get caught up in honoring God and see where that leads. Oh, man, it'll be amazing. I love having technology. I believe it's very important to, to reach in our world. I really do. But it's not the answer. Sometimes we look for the answer where the answer's not. Technology is a great example of that. See, we need to make sure that we don't find other ways to do it than what the Bible describes. Use technology, but we've got to be in relationships. We've got to be in prayer. We've got to do works that honor God. We've got to fast, and we've got to earnestly desire God. See, these are the things that he demands. Why? Because he wants to be honored, and he wants to be reverenced. If blessing seems to be absent from your house, not talking about trials. We all walk through trials and get us into attacks. But you know, if you've been saved for, for very long, you know that you're blessed when you're attacked. But you also know when that blessing goes and you need to repent and get some stuff straight. 
So we've got to be careful. If the blessing doesn't look like it's there, have you positioned yourself? Are you doing the things that honor God? Listen, God will obtain the honor that's due him. Okay? We need to realize this, that God is going to honor, or God is going to obtain the honor that's due him. Deuteronomy 4 and 24, it says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He is a zealous God. Philippians 2, 10 and 11 says this, So that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God to the Father. See, this is the thing. Every knee and every tongue will confess one day. For some people, sadly, that will be the only time in their life that it's happened. And my desire is that whenever I get to that place and I have to submit to God for the final time on my knees, I will do it because I am in all of Him. I will do it because I have been there and I know what to do. I've been there in my quiet time. I have been there in these altars. I have been there in these steps. That should be our desire. That when we reach the presence of God, we know what to do because we've been there. Because we've honored God. So how do we honor God? Not doing it the way Uzzah does it. Think about it. The Ten Commandments, Aaron's budded staff, manna. He reaches out because there's no respect or reverence for it. He literally has God in a box. It doesn't point to a living God. No, to him the ark pointed to a God who used to do things like this at some point. But doesn't really do them anymore. And when you get that way and you put God in a box, you die. You die. We've got to be careful. Can't put him in a box. We've got to make sure that our lives point to a living, active God that pursues us and that we pursue. Pastor's been preaching on it. One of the great sermons, Man Foundations. He preached that. Oh, gosh, I love it. I've been praying about it for like three weeks. To build foundations. Sometimes some of us need to build foundations in our family. And some of us need to build old foundations and restore them. You've built your family on reading the Bible and, and devotions and these type of things that honor God. And because of activities or different things like that, we find out that we don't do them anymore. And we're dishonoring God. And we're wondering why things aren't lining up like they're supposed to. Maybe we need to go back and rebuild some of those foundations. Restore some of those. Remember what God had done for us, right? And we need to reverence the people who have gone before us. I can speak for my generation. I know to the point that we've been carried, most of us has been carried on the shoulder of our comrades. Where we're at right now in the beautiful nation, beautiful facility, these type of things, is because many men before us and women have fought and died. They've spoke up for what they believed in. We have examples like this in the Bible. Pastor preached such a time as this. There's a time to belong, time to believe, and time to begin. Two weeks ago, as he preached that sermon, I'd been in some prayer time just seeking God and asking him, man, I want to feel your presence, man. I want to feel your presence in a sermon that I can't do anything else. And dude, he was preaching that sermon. It's funny how God answers you, right? He was preaching that sermon about three quarters of the way through his sermon. I just lost it, dude. I was sitting on the front row trying to not weep and cry because he was talking about a time to believe. It's time that we believe, that we continue to make a footprint, that we continue to reach into people's lives and restore families through the blood of Jesus Christ, that the activities that we do around here are so that we can grow our church, so that we can grow families and we can lead people to salvation. And there's a time to begin. Quit making excuses. Jump in here at Ray of Hope. There's a place for you. We believe it. And we want you to get involved. Please don't keep putting it off. The pastor was preaching. I didn't know the protocol. Man, I just went to the steps and started crying. 
just hungry. We, we, we got to have that, that place in our life where, God, we want to be in your presence. We want to dwell there. We know it's going to cost some stuff, but that's okay. Then he speaks last week on faith freedom, success and not bondage. T.D. Jake says this, it's harder to defeat the enemy when you get out of bed with them. See, we, we don't cover our eyes like we're supposed to. We don't honor our wives and our husbands like we're supposed to. We don't do some things that we know we need to do. And we're swinging for the wrong side. And then when we get in our prayer time, we get this stuff, we wonder why things don't happen. We've got to set up standards. We've got to set up these things where we choose to cover our eyes. We choose to take part of our mind. That was one of pastor's points. Success, not bondage. Mentally free. God, free me that I don't have graphic images going through my head when I'm in prayer time. That I shouldn't be thinking about something that I shouldn't be thinking about. Instead, I'm focusing on you and what you're doing. Oh, man. And there's a time, and the tagline was feed your faith and not your fear. I hope you've been doing that this last week. I'll tell you what, man. I've been going through this house thing where I've been trying to sell this, sell this house down, excuse me, sell this house down Wichita Falls, and the devil put little stuff in my mind like it's never going to sell, the paint job's not be very good, if something else is going to come up and you're going to have to invest. Have you guys ever seen that show Money Pit? Yeah, yeah, that kind of, you know, and Pastor talked about that last Sunday. He goes, dude, what happens is you get these negative thoughts and it's like a video in your head. And we got to guard ourselves from that. So, dude, I just started feeding my faith. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. God, you've got my back. That's what you said. You died on a cross 2,000. Some of the elementary stuff is good. Oh, it's good to be reminded about how good the Lord is, what he did and how he took our place. And God, you didn't take me this far to leave me here. No, you got plans for me to prosper me. To make me an incredible person. You are not done. You love me too much to leave me alone. Oh, baby. Mm -hmm. But you got to feed that faith. See, David begins to change some things here. Whether would you come up? David begins to change some stuff here. They begin to sacrifice six steps, sacrifice. They begin to take the Levites and slide the poles through the rings and carry the ark. The priest had to carry the ark. This time he was in front of the uh, front of the pr a procession going into town clapping. This time he wasn't in his priestly royal uniform. He was in a linen ephod. He was stripped down. And he said, whenever his wife came up to him and said, how disgusting is that? Even in front of the servant woman, he said, I will even become more indignified in this because he figured it out. He went back to his palace and he read the book. There's a way to do this. He realized that I've, if I want my house to change, if I want to change the city, if I want to change my organization, my job, I've got to be first. I've got to be first honoring God. I've got to be first worshiper. I've got to be first prayer. That's my job. And David puts a great example. He's leading and dancing before the Lord. Why? Because he realized he has to be the first. The change doesn't come with somebody else. It comes with me. It comes with me being hungry. It comes with me being thirsty. It comes with me pressing in. And in that prayer time. And we are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.